0: Tasty Chops Podcast is brought to you by TastyChops.net. It's a sample service for producers and beat makers. If you make beats, don't sleep on this. Every single day, I'm going to send you dope samples chopped up into 16 little pieces, ready for you to use. All you got to do is add drums and you got fire. You can try it out for free at TastyChops.net. Tasty Chops Podcast. My name is Eraserface. Face. I'm joined today by a very special guest. Uh, He's an artist manager and consultant. He's worked at a bunch of major labels, RCA, Arista, Def Jam, the list goes on. Uh, He currently runs an artist management firm called Mark Tavern Management. You can find that at marktavern.com. How are you doing today, Mark? I'm good, I'm good. Yeah, it's great to be here. I listened uh, to a recent interview you did where you went into like, a lot of detail about your background and you know the, your backstory and so if if anybody listening is interested in in hearing about like where you've come from and, and your journey in the industry they could just do a quick google search mark tavern It'll come up in the uh, in the first one, but I just want to get right into. You wrote an article recently in DJ Booth um, about how artists shouldn't go looking for managers because the good managers will come find them, and uh, that that really resonated with me. And uh, you seemed like an authority, so I, I wanted to invite you on here and talk about. Let's just talk about artist management. Okay, that sounds um, great. The, the first thing I want to ask you is like, what do you think makes a good artist manager? Like the ethic, what his or her makeup is as far as ethos and also like the role that they play with an artist.
1: So I think the best, I think the best artist managers are going to be the ones who um, understand where their client is coming from and can and can adapt yeah, yeah. to who they are, You know, adapt to who their client is. Um, And, and that's, I mean, it's, it's difficult to explain because every client is different. And so the, the, the way that the manager relates to their client, you know, to every client is going to be different, but in general, you know, the manager now is very much um, focused on business development for their artists, you know, in any other business, it would be business development, right? Like how do we, how do we make connections? How do we, um, how do we meet? How do we meet people? How do we create um, new opportunities, new revenue streams for the client? And and in the the you know, what's so difficult about the music business now is that the revenue streams that used to make money don't necessarily make money anymore. And and then there are new revenue streams that um, that are helpful in 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 one way, that may not be helpful in another way. They may be, you know, they may be much more difficult for you to to get your arms around. And then there are all kinds of things that are happening that may be unique to any given artist that the manager needs to find, you know, and develop on their behalf. So it's a little bit like the Wild West. And I think that I think that the best managers are going to be the ones who can who can really easily adapt to that.
0: Mm-hmm. So, in in this change that we're seeing, what are some of the the old models that we're working that are now finding themselves obsolete?
1: Well, obviously, you know, the big one is recorded music. I mm-hmm. mean, uh, and and, that, and I, you know, I lived this decline in the majors. Um, you know, as we watched physical sales um, decline and then fall off a cliff, um, while at the same time watching watching digital sales. Um, begin to begin to rise, but then never never make up in you know in in fully um, for the decline. and then a switch to streaming, which happened mostly after I'd left the majors that is now really accelerating. Um, but for a lot of artists, um for a lot of artists, it isn't you know their primary revenue source anymore, um, and and it was so easy comparatively to make money from records before that that's you know that's been a huge shock to the system. I do think though that like touring is you know still where the majority of the money is going to be, and in fact is probably strengthening over time. Um, but recording and touring and, and and publishing to a lesser extent um, are all very intimately related in terms of how they support each other. And and that's not to say that music publishing is not important, but you have to be able to find, it's important to be able to find the right kind of mix. You need a record, you need a record in order to generate some buzz so that you can get promoters interested so you can book a show. But by having a show, you gain a couple of different ways to then market the records that you make. Right. Uh, and then obviously, there's the publishing revenue um, that is coming to you as well, that is supported by those things. So it's a, it's a real mix that you have to be able to find. Um, I also think that there are a lot more opportunities um, for artists in terms of branding and endorsement kinds of deals that were not so readily available previously and i think that artists in many ways when i first got into the business artists wouldn't have done that you know they would have they would have looked at them and said you know that's like i'm selling out
0: yeah but the culture uh, was different yeah the the if culture I led was zeppelin different. not ever wanting their songs to be in commercials
1: yes before. and and now partly because that is a revenue stream you can't ignore yeah. and partly because the climate has changed. And I talked to my I, I posed this question to my students and and they almost can't believe that there was a time when an artist would be like, "Ah you know what? I don't want to do that deal because that's going to that I feel like my fans are going to feel like that's in you know like against who you know against who, who our brand is as an artist.
0: Well, they also had that safety net too of, of being able to sell physicals at a level yes. that would cover for, you know the the revenue that would come from. Licensing. Yes,
1: exactly. So all of these things, it, you know, it's, it's very much a moving target because all of these things are changing simultaneously and it's difficult. It's been difficult to get your, you know, as a manager, it's been difficult to get your hands around which client is affected most by this change, which client is affected most by that change. How does, does the proportion, um, you know, the revenue mix. Um, for each artist, how how is that altered by what's going on? And you know that's a difficult thing as well. I mean, you know, I've done a lot of management in the jazz business, where physical product is still a big, um, still an important revenue source, although declining as well, but not declining as quickly. Um, but also necessary because in the in the jazz business. Um, there's such a focus on the on the um, you know the sort of audio file on the on the quality that a lot there there are a lot of people in the press who don't want um, a link to a streaming site as mm-hmm. the music that they would receive when you're when you're you know announcing a release they want a physical CD because they want um you know they want as high quality audio as they can get they also want the liner notes. And right, so, that's
0: endearing that that still exists. That that it, attitude it still is does. still out there.
1: Yeah, it still does. Um, but for other, you know, for other clients, for other in other genres, you know, I say you should think about your recording as merch. It's if you've already made the recording, it isn't that much more difficult now to hire a designer and get a package made, right. do a short run of CDs, and treat those as a merch item as opposed to you know what. 15 years ago, 10 years ago, we would have thought of as being the recording that you'd sell. Think about that as, you know, one more, um, one more item put on your merch table that people are going to pick up. You
0: know, it's, it's generally, from personal experience, it's generally a lot easier to sell um, physical music at a, a live show where you've yes. seen you in your element, you've connected in a real and intimate human kind of way. You can maybe even have a conversation. And then that all lubricates the process of like, yeah, I want to take something home with me. And I find the vinyl has still, it's been doing really well. Uh, we've, in, in our scene, in the beat scene in LA, like we've moved a lot towards like tapes and vinyl. Nobody's really buying CDs, but the vinyls, they sell at the shows, the, the records, they do well. Even people who don't have record players buying them just as like a keepsake. You know? As a keepsake, exactly, yeah. exactly. So you you touched on a little bit of touring. and I wanted to to talk about that as well. Cause like there was, um. There was an old paradigm of where, like, for example, like Dave Matthews Band, like they got on tour up and down the Mississippi before they'd been known and they built their following just renegade guerrilla DIY tour. Go up and down, book the show as you're going, book the hotel that night, that kind of thing. And so what do you think of Now times have changed a lot with the with the Internet? And uh, now I'm seeing a lot of artists that they'll blow up on YouTube first or they'll blow up on on SoundCloud first and then they'll make the shift to going on tour. And what, how do you feel about uh, touring as a strategy in the in the early stages? Like where, if you have access and you can make yourself useful to a bigger artist who could take you on tour, do you think that that's still a viable uh, avenue to go on? Or do you think that it's better, like in 2020, are we focusing more on the new artists building their stuff up on the internet first and then going out? Or are we focusing on like, let's get the live show together while in conjunction we're working on the internet? Sorry for the long winded question.
1: <laughs> no problem. That's a, that's a that's a great question. And, and it, it, it kind of strikes at uh, uh, you know, what I was talking about before, like which of these do you choose to do first? Um, it is so much easier now to be a recording artist. Um, you know, you have the equipment maybe in your home. And so, you know, using TuneCore, DistroKid or some other aggregator, um, you can do things that were unheard of when I first got into the business. And as a result, you can build an audience on your own before you even have a live show. So, you know, I think it's, you know, it, you know, do you, do you put the cart before the horse here and say, well, the way to build the live show is to create the demand by releasing um, by releasing our music to streaming services and then using the data that that is generated by the streaming services to actually tell us where to perform. Um, I think it's you know you always have to consider your your home, you know your home city, your home state as being, you know the place where you start like you have to own that before you can begin to go anywhere but Hmm. once you have that and you're starting to think about where to go next then i think you begin to look at you can look at your data something that artists didn't previously have any access to and you can see oh here are the cities where we have um where we have fans here is where our records are being streamed and then it's a lot easier um there's a podcast where Logic um, and his manager get interviewed and they talk about how they had a really good understanding of where his fans were and they knew they knew from streaming services they could extrapolate how many tickets they'd sell in any given market and so they were able to put tours on very easily because they understood where the fans were and therefore where they could go um and there's There's a, there's a definitely like a science to that, um, being able to keep track of it, um, knowing that history, knowing that tour history, knowing that data is super helpful. Um, on the flip side though, if you can own your home audience, you know, own your, your home city and then use that to build a buzz amongst promoters, which is of course the, the Dave Matthews band model, um, uh, then, then that that still works. I, I don't think that touring has ever gone away as the you right. know, the primary means. Because of what you said before, it's the it's the means by which people can truly make that kind of intimate, personal connection with you as an artist. And without that, it's much harder to market. But when you have that, um, that's really what people want. That's what they're looking for. That's what they're paying for.
0: And so. In the line of of buzz building in your home state, positioning yourself, how how do you garner attention? You know, like how how do you do something that's so engaging that makes you stand out from all the other local? And I know that's really open ended, but um, what line of thinking maybe would you be on if you're trying to make yourself stand out in a, in a local market? I think
1: that I think the first thing is that you have to have you have to have great music, uh, you know. And, and I think we can we can talk about the business all day. Um, but I think... It
0: starts there, for it sure. It
1: starts there. It always starts there. Um, but then I think you have to be self-aware about who's going to listen to that. Um, you have to understand who your audience is. And, and this is, again, where, the, where the, data is, the data is helpful. If you have, if you have enough streams on Spotify, um, it begins to tell you there' are similar artists. And so what's helpful there is you can kind of go and see what they're doing. And either choose to, you know, cop that, and and you know, if you see something that's interesting, do what they're doing, or sort of stay away from it, you know, so that you don't make yourself um, appear to be derivative. Um, I think that that is, I think that that is obviously the the baseline. Um, but then I think in terms of standing out, uh, you have to you have to create. I think the first thing you have to do is begin to create relationships with. Promoters, so that they have an understanding um, of of who your audience is and whether or not it fits in their venue, because they have a they know who their audience is. So you have to find a way to make sure that your audience and their audience are aligned, and that they, as the promoter, understand that because that's how they feel confident that you're going to be able to sell the tickets. Um, and I think you do that in part through. Social media at the outset, you know, you you use your social media channels, um, to to send out, you know, compelling, you know, I'm going to say content. I don't really like the word, but that's what we're talking about here. You know, easy ways for people to kind of get hooked into who you are. Then you get them hooked into the music, and that's how you ultimately get them to show up at a at a show. Then you so have you... to that, you know, then you have to deliver that um, live experience.
0: So in a lot of ways, you're leading with like brand and um identity yeah. and then and sneaking the music in after or in, in the process somehow like yeah in the process um i think
1: that i think it's important to understand um who your brand is you know what you stand for um obviously your music is the biggest indicator of that but i think that it's so easy now so many things are visual social media is so visual that very often fans are gonna see you or read something that you say before they click through um we have a different you know it used to be that you'd get a record and listen to it and give the record to your friend you know um you would you would find out about a new band because you heard about them
0: Mm -hmm. somebody told you you. (laughs) yeah or you read about them in kerrang or something yeah
1: yes and now now you're you're kind of fighting for attention by trying to catch everyone's eye and to draw them you know drawing their ears um and so i think that you kind of have to find a way to do those things simultaneously and i think that you know that's a big reason why, you know, Instagram has been making, you know, video much more easily available. Um, you know, it used to be no video, then it was, you know, what, 15 seconds or 30 seconds. And now, you know, uh, when you reach a certain followers threshold, um, you get access to, you know, IGTV. Um, and then you can post, you know, what amounts to, you know, virtually unlimited video. Um, that's what people the the combination of the visual and the and the audio is truly what people are connecting with.
0: So oh, so openness approachableness um, leading with your personality branding telling the story all of these things have become a lot more accessible and so like the, we're leveraging that then going forward in 2020 right. we're yeah. it's storytelling. All right, um, mm-hmm. good stuff. Okay, so now let's say you're you're on the path and you you said don't look for a manager the good ones will approach you let's say one has approached you now what kind of questions from an artist perspective is a is an artist asking a potential management candidate to determine if they're a fit
1: that's a that's a great question because it's that fit it's that fit that is really the most important consideration because you're going to you're going to end up in some way i always say you you're marrying your manager. Um, the relationship that you're going to have hopefully with your manager is is a long-term one that is going to be, um, it's going to have to be very close. You're going to be discussing all kinds of intimate details of your financial life, of your social life, of your career, your musical life. All of those things um, are affecting each other. And so it really, it really makes sense for you to have a manager who you, you know, you can spend a lot of time with. You're going to have to work really hard with them. Um, And so the questions that you should start to ask, you know, are, do they get your music? Do they get you? And what vision do they have for you? And how does that fit with the vision that you have for yourself and the vision that um, you have working together? Because you don't want to be in a situation in which you you hire a manager and they have a completely different understanding of who you are and a completely different vision as to where you're supposed to go um and this is where you know the the partnership between an artist and a manager really comes out because they have to be partners they have to understand each other or they're gonna they're gonna fight um you know there will be they'll be you know, tension in in that relationship, and that's going to make it much harder to get anything done. Um, You need to get everybody going in the same direction. And, and, And so you need to figure out if you're going in the same direction right at the outset. I think the other thing that's important is you need to have a sense of, do they understand the business? And do they understand how to learn about being a manager if they're not a manager? And the reason why I say that is because very often, the 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 role of trust here is so important, um, and that's why very often, and uh, a developing artist or a new artist is managed by a close friend who's never right. been a manager, or managed by um, a family member because of the, the trust. trust. Is, or, yeah. Yes, because of the trust. So you know, my long-winded answer to your to your question is, you have at the outset you have to be asking questions that kind of get to the heart of. Can you work with this person for a long time basis? And do they share your values? And do they share your vision for how to how to move forward in the business?
0: So I'm getting this theme of like, uh, self-awareness is really important to the process in general of, of getting yourself to where you wanna get as an artist. And um, let's talk about like how, cause a lot of people suffer from a lack of self-awareness. Uh, and a lot of times like we, as artists, like we, we kind of, avoid self-analysis a lot of our uh, what we're doing is is intuition and and lack of planning and just sort of like letting things fall into place and so like this let's let's work on building our self awareness how are some ways that you can become more aware of yourself Uh, maybe this is too obtuse but uh, I'm wondering like because that seems like such an important quality to like everything that you're saying at the center of it is you have to be self-aware to know how to answer these questions, how to ask these questions. You got to know about yourself to know if the, the guy gets you, you got to get yourself. So right? Uh, yeah. How, how can we be more self-aware? That's a, that's
1: such a great question. Um, I think that you have to, you have to approach when, when you approach your music, you know, you play things back and you, you, you know, you listen with a critical ear. And so I think you have to work to apply that kind of sort of, self-feedback you know that kind of constructive criticism to your business as well as you would your music you you know very often you'll say like you need to walk away for a moment you know and then come back to those mixes with fresh ears it's kind of you know kind of the same way i think the same thing you know can be applied here in terms of business you need to sort of think about like well is that really what i want to do and then maybe step away from it for a moment and then go back to it I also think it's important to be able to put yourself in a place where you can you can make good decisions, and that means stopping for a moment and saying like Is this is this thing really the right way forward? It doesn't mean that you should hem and awe um, and never make a decision because you're trying to get it perfect.
0: Because you know, that's point. a real danger that yes. the perfect being the enemy of pretty good is a real. Yes. That's a real problem.
1: Yes. So you have, to, you have to kind of have to find that balance and say to yourself, okay, here's a plan. Here's, you know, here's where I want to be in six months and then break that down. But the goal, the six month goal has to be realistic. Um, and that's where that self-awareness is going to be super helpful. And, and I think some of that, you know, can come from looking outside, you know, yourself to other people. Um, not necessarily as a way to compare because then, then you get into the arms race. of, you know, Am I better than they are? But right. kind of looking at like what were they able to accomplish and is that something that would make sense for my business and can I make that – how do I make that work?
0: Beyond something. that, about feedback from uh, – how do you feel about like feedback from people close to you and like building a community like and insulating yourself with a team of people who are going to be real with you and tell you, yo, this ain't it? Or like that's the move. You know?
1: That is a super important part of figuring out who your manager is going to be, because you don't want to be surrounded by um, a bunch of you know people who are just going to tell you yes. Um, yeah. And that you know there's this cult of personality that can form around an artist um, that I think is super dangerous for everyone involved, because the artist then isn't allowed to be self-aware. They're only being told. Um, that whatever their idea is great. And then everyone is chasing around behind them, trying to execute this thing that maybe if they'd taken a little more time, if they were able to be more self-aware about, if someone had said, someone on their team had said, maybe we should consider whether or not this is a good idea. Um, it would have, it would have slowed things down and gotten them to think about what, you know, whatever that question is in a, in a deeper way. And that would have prevented some other thing from happening, you know, down the road.
0: It, so it's, I a do touch think it's a tight balance too. Uh, I'm sorry. Well, when, once you hit a certain level of success of the people around you, they depend on you so much and then it, it that starts to skew the interactions that you have with people. And so like I, I'm I'm what I'm hearing and what you're saying is that it's super important to have like honest people that you knew before you made it, that are that are in your yeah. circle that'll that'll look you in the eye and tell you that you're wrong and not be scared that you're gonna cut them out of your circle for it. Yeah, yeah, that is true. At what point should an artist even start to think about management?
1: That's, that's another great question. Um, I think, so I wrote that piece because, and every manager faces this, you're always getting questions from people, you know, will you manage me? You know, I need a manager. And, and this is, this, there's, this is where the self-awareness is often, um, important because, the artist may not—they may not understand that they're not ready. Um, doesn't mean that they won't be ready. Um, it just means that they're not ready yet, and you know they think that they're in a position where like they need a manager. Um, but you know, for me, I think I always think a big test is like, do they do they have a website?
0: As simple as that.
1: Yeah. As simple as that. Have you invested enough? Do you have enough of an understanding about your business and the music business in general? And do you have the wherewithal to have created a website? Now I had this conversation on Twitter recently where someone was like, I don't necessarily think that you need a website. You can, you know, you can do what you need to do on social. I suppose, and this is what's so difficult about the music business now. For some artists, you can probably make that case. Um, you'd be able to you know, show me some data where there are artists who don't have websites and they're doing fine, okay. Um, but what it says to me is that you're thinking longer term. Um, you know, the website says that you're, you know you, you've planted that flag. Maybe that means that you can now run an email marketing campaign. You can drive people to your website. That's the place where you can control the message in a way that you can't most other places. And so what that says to me is that you've thought about th- those questions as opposed to just, you know you as a, as a manager you get, you know you ask, this is like the, the for me, another indication of an artist who's not ready you say well you know what do you need a manager for and the answer is well you're gonna take me to the next level what is the next level
0: there There is is no no level yeah there is no level and and the manager's job is not to make you blow up it's just to handle your business dealings you know like it's your job to make the art and to to be compelling and to tell the story and it's the manager's job to like connect you in the business side of things with different contacts and like do do logistics for you but it's not the manager's job to blow you up that's your job right
1: i i agree with that i agree with that and what's difficult though is that everyone sees these um you know overnight success stories and you know they they are not in a place where they built any business on their own yet and they're like frustrated because they're not going anywhere so they say okay well if i had a manager the manager would fix this problem for me and i'd blow up and that's created this impression that that's what the manager does that the manager blows them up when that's not true the manager partners with them and helps them build a career maybe that means that they will blow up someday but they blew up because they made compelling music and they were able to figure out who their audience was and make those connections. That's really truly what it's about.
0: In a um, lot of ways, it's it's lightning in a bottle, you know? Like you have to have all the parts and, and capture them at the right time and this confluence of like timing and talent, creativity and openness, self-aware, all these things have to come together all in a perfect storm to to
1: yes, create that. I, I totally agree with that. And and when that happens, it looks so easy that everyone thinks, you know, you can just snap your fingers and do it, right? Like that's that's the beauty. And it's also like the the curse of this kind of situation where that perfect storm can happen and someone can blow up and it's an amazing story. And then we ignore all the work that it actually took. But we also ignore the luck, you know, of them having gotten all of these things to happen. And then having them all work together
0: and it is it's equal part the hard work and the luck and the talent for sure
1: yes yeah that is definitely that is definitely true
0: i i believe in this adage of like it's not who you know it's who knows you and that kind of like leans to like the subject matter of that article that you wrote like the good managers will find you um how do you become and remain visible up until the point where now managers are kind con- like, uh, ideally you want multiple people bidding on you and like diff- different external things happening. How do you get to a point where you're visible so that they know you?
1: You have to understand, you know, basically everything we've talked about so far, right? As the artist, you need to understand what is my brand? How do I make compelling music? How can I, um, how can I spread the news of that compelling music, um, in such a way that people um, who I think are my core audience can hear it, and then you know build that follower base. You then want to begin to convert those followers into fans, and that's where you know my analogy about the website I think is important because that that's the true long range goal. You want to get all of those Instagram followers to oh, so your, give you that email because it's your, you know, your website, your email marketing is your platform. You own it. Um, and you don't have to rent the space. You don't have to pay right. for anyone. Cause uh, in the
0: end in Instagram and Facebook, they own those platforms. They control your reach. They decide yes. how many people see the content that you're pushing out. But if you, if you have an email list, like I have a 40,000 uh, subscriber email list that I built with like a lead magnet. And I get way more traction and results from that than I do from anything I do on social media. Anything
1: else? Yep. Yeah. And so that shows um, that shows that you're in it, you know, in the long game. Um, and so there, this is like this is kind of the magical thing um, I think about the music business when you know, like back to the Dave Matthews Band example, you know, where. You you do all of these things, and people start to buzz about it. People are talking about it. Um, you know, your friend says, "Oh, I heard this band." You know, I think about this in terms of um, things that I engage with on Twitter, news that I engage with on Twitter. Um, stuff in Twitter just kind of flows past you all day, um, and I've begun to notice. I've noticed this for a while that certain things will continue to rise up. You know, in any given news cycle. And so if I've heard the same name or seen the same story multiple times, then I'm going to say to myself, okay, I need to start. I need to pay attention to that. I need to figure that out. That's obviously where you want to get to as an artist. There is a whole machine of A&Rs, you know, both on the recording side and on the publishing side of managers who are all plugged in, who are all chattering with each other about who's um hearing those things and now, so is it,
0: is it i'm sorry to interrupt but is it like the old days where they're like going to shows rick rubin's going to the roxy and he sees system of a down and he's like i'm gonna say si-. it's not is it it's not quite like that anymore I, is it i think
1: that i think that some of that still matters i think that i think that people talk to each other i think that i think that people can see um they have access to more data now um And I think that people can see those things in ways that um, are attractive and then they can go to the show. Then they can decide to go to the show. Mm -hmm. Whereas previously they needed, you know, maybe they needed to go to the show because that was the only way. There was
0: no other way, yeah. There was no
1: other way, right? Um, And and I think that what that's led to, which I don't particularly like, is this, you know, um, sort of gamification of, all of the social media activity you know like oh you know so and so has all of these streams so we need to be paying more attention to that i think that there's a truth there like if they're able to get all of those streams is there another story there you know why should we be paying attention
0: well i mean there's there's room for finagling those numbers too yes. whereas you can't really finagle a live show you know no, what I mean? you, you can't like yeah like and if you're in the room and you see a live show and it hits you right in the gut like there's no you can't get that on the internet. But on the, and on the internet you can see all these big numbers 300,000 streams, 50 million streams, you know, but like that all can be faked. And yep. oh, which touches on another thing that I've heard you talking about recently is these like playlist scams and like mm-hmm. uh, uh, let's let's talk about some of these like predatory like people that are trying to get you to pay for their Like they'll take any song and they'll put it on a playlist for 50 bucks, you know, like you're shaking your head. Yeah. What what do you think of this whole industry that's popped up?
1: I think I think that, again, it goes back to that idea that there's like this overnight success. There's this myth. People Um, want
0: it easy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. People want it easy. They aren't willing to, you know, they aren't willing to take the take the time to build those personal relationships which is what you have to do and that is in many ways the biggest difference between the record business of you know of old and now the record business of old um could force those connections to happen because they owned all of the levers and they had the money to get behind an artist and and say, here, you know, like, this is the, this is, they were the gatekeeper as well, right? So they had all of these means by which they could say, this is the anointed one, you know, this is the yeah, artist. You, could,
0: you couldn't make a record unless they did that for you. Yes. And now, and now the means of production are in everyone's, hand. like in everyone everyone's can, hands. Everyone can, it's democratized now. Right. We're, and we're so, in music communism today. Yes, so, so. and that's
1: had this—that's had this result of making it easy for everyone, while at the same time making it super difficult, because you can't ram—you can't ram anything down anyone's throat anymore. You have to build those relationships from the ground up. There are no shortcuts, and so these scammers, um, who are doing that, are kind of, you know preying on everyone's nostalgia for a time when you could just kind of, you know, get discovered in a club and sell
0: your soul to the devil and make a record. Exactly. <laughs> exactly.
1: Um, and, and it, it's that double edged sword of the data now where you can say, well, now there's all this data that will tell us. Um, but at the same time, you know, that data, you know, if you look at that, you know, I've, I've said it before, data has an opinion. Um, and it, and so, you know, it can it can be made to look one way. It can be made to look another way. Um, and so, it's you know, in in the hands of the scammer, they can say they can kind of cherry pick and say, look at what we did with this artist, or look at what we did with that artist. But there's no guarantee that that's what's going to happen with with you. Um, and if you pay them up front, what incentive did they have to actually make it happen? And if it's based on some kind of magical thing in the first place, then you're you're betting, you know, right. you're rolling dice. Um, and so I feel like all of those all of those scams are you know are dangerous. That doesn't mean that you know playlisting strategy shouldn't be part of um, of your you know of your marketing campaign, and that there aren't reputable companies out there who can make. Um, we can make make that part of your overall plan but you can't you know you can't expect that you're just gonna you know put some money up front pay some money up front and and get on one of these playlists and have that be a huge um, you know have that be the, the, you know the way your success
0: and then how do you how would you go about like vetting um, if you're trying to figure out whether this is a reputable uh, company that can get me in contact with playlists or if this is this is actually just a scam that's trying to take my money.
1: Um, you, you look at their website, right. um, you have to do the research, right? You look yeah. at their website and you see who they've worked with um, and then you use your connections to, to talk to those people. Um, you know, if they are good, you can say to them, can I talk to these people? And they will, you know, they will, you know, they will have, you know, referrals that they're happy to make. Um, if they get cagey about that, that's, you know, that's going to be a problem. That's a, you know, that, that should be a big, um, that should be a big red flag. Much in the same way, you know, if someone is putting a contract in front of you and saying, you know, you need to sign this right away.
0: Right, um, under duress, yeah.
1: You know, the, the, that should be a red flag for you as well. Because um, that contract is written from their perspective, not yours, mm-hmm. and so you need you need to be wary of that. You need to do your own due diligence.
0: The, is there are there any like telltale red flags that would that would? you mean, like other than um, asking them, other than what we just mentioned, like asking them to speak to their other clients and like, let's say they have a website, it looks reputable, you know, like it, would a would a company that takes any song? be one that that that's that seems like a red flag right like that they wouldn't yeah
1: and and i think that a company that that only only does you know the the you know playlist placement Mm -hmm. um because then they aren't, they aren't trying to make it part of an overall marketing strategy, um, you know, that should involve other, you know, that should involve other elements, you know, are they, are they reaching out to blogs? What is the situation like with publicity? Um, what other you know, digital marketing channels are they trying to push you in? If, if you get it as part of a package, then I think it's much you know, it's much safer. Um, I think it's super easy to just take someone's money and you know put it on a playlist. Um, and you know, from their perspective, they see that as super easy. Um, so I think that I think that that's a you know I think that that's a potential red flag. Um, I think that it, you know we're lucky to have. Google you know you could just Google their name and you know right. you, if, if they're if they're a scammer you're gonna find people complaining about
0: them. right and uh, it sounds like in the in the early onset stages you're gonna to want to take on as many of those roles for promotion and management and uh, you know the things that an agent and a manager would do uh, yourself and so do you have any parting thoughts on that?
1: Artists now have access to all these tools that they didn't have access to before and um, by not having a manager at the outset gives them the opportunity to learn about the business to use those tools to develop their own fan base on their own terms and what that does is it means that if they can if they can show that they've built that business People are going to be attracted to it, as I, you know, as I said, the, um, the ANRs, the publishing reps, the managers—they're all working, you know, to try and find the next artist, right? So if you can do that and build that little bit of buzz, people are going to find you. But what happens now, because you built that buzz, is you have some leverage, because you have an audience. You you can show them that you know how to build that audience yourself. And so they
0: can't come in and tell you to change what you've been and doing. That's they, already been working. Cause if it ain't broke, don't fix it.
1: Right. So you, now you have a choice. They come to you and they say, we want to do this. Here's a deal. And you have some leverage to, mm-hmm. to get a better deal. You have some knowledge to know whether or not that's a better deal. And you have the ability having done it yourself, maybe to decide that you don't want to take the deal.
0: and And there's a lot of power in saying no there really is a lot of power in it yes
1: i want to find out about just you know your your model it's it's a little bit easier in terms of um you can you know provide content on a much more regular basis you know like i had like the album versus the track model right where like an ebook is like it's difficult to crank that out you know so i can't do that like every day So, like, your idea of being able to put out a sample pack as often as you do is such a great incentive to draw people in. I'm trying to figure out, you know, is...
0: I really dumb lucked my way into the situation that I'm in right now. In 2016, I was on tour, and I think I was in, like, Wichita, Kansas. And um, I saw an ad on Facebook that was like, are you upset with your engagement on Facebook? do you want to know how to game the algorithm to get more engagement on Facebook? I was like, that speaks right to, yeah, Facebook sucks with the engagement. Yes, I want I'm going to take this webinar. And I watched this lady's webinar and she, it's a completely unrelated subject, but in the process of her giving her webinar, she dropped a few little nuggets that got my mind thinking. And I was like, look, I've been selling samples, but what? but I've not been putting my artist name on it. What if I combine my sample business and the credibility that I've built with my artist name and because ultimately like the people aren't you like you said people aren't buying physical music anymore and the means of production are in so many people's hands everybody's making music people are buying instruments people are buying samples people are buying stuff to make their own music way more than they're buying other people's music so i figured i'm gonna i'm gonna sell some samples and so like I, i combined the two the first three weeks i made 22 grand on uh on a drum machine pack just selling drum machines and um, not too far into it, I caught a cease and desist from Roland and they were like, you gotta stop selling that. And I was like, okay, well, you're my favorite company in the industry. You have my full cooperation, you know, whatever you want. And they're like, stop selling it. I'm like, all right, bet, stop selling it. Two weeks later, I put it back up for free in exchange for email addresses. I got 40,000 email addresses off that drum pad. And since then I've been just like, I'll, I'll run ads for maybe like 10, 12 bucks a day. I'll get a hundred email addresses signed to it because the, the lead magnet itself is so goddamn irresistible and it qualifies the people because like everybody that wants a drum machine pack of 68 different drum machine sounds, that's a music producer that wants that. That's not a DJ, that's not a listener. That's <laughs> specifically mm-hmm. exactly who I want. Right, and yeah, so, super targeted. So, yeah, so that list has been able to balloon uh, in a really short period of time and like that's that's what's been carrying this whole thing since then and I figure That's like awesome. it's also so a I, way I that I can promote prat. my actual but, music too. Huh? Well, yeah. Oh yeah, well the, the secret to the ads is the list. The list makes the audience for the ads, so you tell, you give Facebook those email addresses, it matches it up with Facebook accounts, then you tell it to look for people that look like those accounts. And and with the technology of the Pixel, yo, if you need help doing this stuff, man, like I'm totally down to sit down on Skype yeah, and just totally like bless you this. up with as much knowledge as I have, because <clears throat> like I'm I'm very happy to like, but there is no scarcity. I talked about this on the podcast a bunch of times, and like all, all of the artists that I resonate with and that we all like talk to, we all feel the same way. There's enough food at the table for everybody to eat. If I got something in my mind that will help you crack and do do well with what you're doing, I'm more than happy to like free offer you the information so that like we can all eat bro like that's what that's what it's all about community i building. just see
1: yeah that's great i see you know in my students i see everyone is like how do i do this how do i do this you know like you look at youtube videos like everyone is like searching for knowledge because as you said everyone is out there trying to make music it's funny what you said and sad at the same time like people are people, everyone's making music and no one's like purchasing Anybody else's, right? Right. Um, and so, you know, I'm like, I've built all this content because I had this class. So, how do I begin? You know, how do I begin to monetize that content? How do I use my, you know, use the platform that I have because, you know, I've been employed by, you know, you know, and this, this is a little bit different because, and and it's slowed me down, um, because I, you know, work as a professor. I don't want to do the kind of get rich quick kind of thing that you see that you know there's some some managers out there are doing it's a cynical
0: um, approach yeah because
1: because it is yeah it's it's definitely like a cynical approach um so I want it to be more along the lines of like it's education you know like here's how you know here here are the facts about this how you use those facts that's up to you um but there's, there's no promise of like, I'm going to make you, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to blow you up, right? You're going to blow up because, you know, you, we're because we're doing yeah, hard work undenough. together.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a partnership, too. Like, we're working together, to, but it's it's not like a, I'm going to blow you up or you're going to blow yourself. It's like we're all, it's a team, you know, like we're all we're all pulling yeah. each other up. Um, well, I I think what you're doing right now with the, the lead magnet, with, um, you know, the guide to learn how to book more shows and. And all that stuff is it's that's the right direction. It's, right it's a similar path. direction. Yeah. Um, the, the, if the unsolicited advice that I would give is to just make that lead magnet as irresistible and valuable as possible to where like if, if you're figure out who your exact customer is, which you probably already have. And then once you figure out what that person wants, make the lead magnet so irresistible that they like will feel stupid if they don't click it and take it and give you their email address. All I have to do is give you an email address and I get a gigabyte of drum machine sounds, every drum machine, great, I'll get, you know what I mean? Like that irresistibility is what's gonna, because people, people are hesitant to give away email addresses. There's a lot of lead magnets on the internet and a lot of them are like not really that valuable and at the end they're trying to sell you something. So like if it's the give, 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 ask. of thing like that Gary V talks about give 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 ask like i'm I'm all about like give so much more and then (laughs) finally (laughs) finally at the end then you then you ask by then you've earned there it's like that law of reciprocity like they feel like they have to they owe you almost in a sense this guy gave me so much knowledge so much valuable stuff i have to do something and so that that's but as far as like like the way you have it all set up and like the like you have it, it it looks like this will convert really well, you know. Like, I, I, I'm not without asking you too much specifics about like how much you're spending per conversion or whatever, or if you're running paid ads at all. Um, this is a website that I would click on, and I'd be like, "Yeah, I want to learn how to book more shows." Especially if I if I have like, when I was back at the point where I needed to learn how to book more shows, that would that it's a really uh, right. yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a useful tool, vital thing, useful tool, yeah. Uh-huh. Cool. And, but it's not necessarily about like putting out a bunch of different lead magnets. It's it would be just about like figuring one out that does really well, that's like really irresistible. And then running as much paid traffic to that as you can, you know? Right.
1: Yeah. And that that's that's the piece that's missing at the moment. You know, I just I'm not and and you know, I've with since I have published this newest one, which I'm selling, you know, I was like, I wanna see like what's what is, you know, Uh, I got some, you know, I got email addresses using the the free one and I was like, I'm going to do a new one and sell it and see how that changes things. And, you know, what I've decided in the past week is like, okay, you know, I'm not really doing any paid, you know, advertising. So I need to switch entirely over into that model, um, and, and then see what happens with the traffic.
0: You know, Um, I've seen, I've seen some success with, um, direct to sale paid advertisements. So like. I'm selling something at the end of the link and they, it just guides them right through to buying it. But I've also, it's surprising, but I've also seen a lot of success in direct to free stuff and give me your email address advertising. Cause like those right. email addresses later, they'll trickle into, they'll trickle into sales as long as you're keeping them engaged and you're giving them, right. giving them enough value for having signed up to the let, let's plug all the things that, that you have to plug, uh, marktavern.com. And uh, what, what are some of the things that you're working on right now?
1: Two weeks ago, I published a new book, uh, a new ebook called Hit the Road, Basics of a DIY Booking Strategy. Um, I get that question all the time. You know, how do I how do I get more gigs? Um, and, and so I put together a 10 step plan. It is work. Um, but hoped to try and break it down into manageable chunks, and give you a sense, give the reader a sense of what does an agent do and what does a manager do, and how do they work together on your behalf, so that if you don't have an agent, uh, an agent or a manager, you can you can perform the same functions. So I have that for sale at my website. The first ebook, and and I'm beginning to publish these as a way to. There's so many people who want to know more about the about the business, um, so I'm trying to fill that need through these ebooks. And I have another one about marketing your music on Spotify um, that is actually free um, as my lead generator, as my lead magnet for my email list.
0: Okay, awesome. And and they can find uh, listeners can find all this information on your website, marktavern.com. Mm-hmm. All right, awesome. So that sounds like really valuable stuff. And uh, hopefully we'll send send some people that way. I'm definitely gonna go check out uh, some of that stuff as well. But this has been this has been nice, man. That's yeah, great.
1: I'm yeah. I'm glad we could do this. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. And uh, you you've got my contact info. Anytime you have questions about Facebook ads or Instagram ads or whatever, you know, like I'm I'm happy to help. So if you I'm want to set gonna, up I'm another, gonna, I'm gonna hit you up. Yeah. Definitely, up. definitely do that. All right, man. Oh, okay. Thank cool. you So much for your time today, man. And uh, I'll I'll let you know when this is edited up and up on. The sure.
1: Website. And I'll send you I'll send you photo and bio so that you've got all that stuff um, for the show page.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, man.
1: No problem. Bye.